And welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. It is show number 93, and welcome to the program. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I appreciate you being here with us today. If you are watching live, please leave us a question or comment today. We're going to meet our guest here uh, coming up in a moment. Jeff Evner is our guest today. He's the assistant superintendent at the Auburn City School District in uh, upstate New York. And uh, we're going to be meeting Jeff in a moment. So if you are watching live uh, on Facebook, uh, please leave us a question or a comment. And if you're watching it on replay, we'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for tuning in. I welcome in our audience on Disrupt Ed TV, Voice Ed Radio Canada. And certainly uh, if you're listening afterwards on iTunes, thank you very much. Leave us a comment. People are telling me they like the show. They like the conversation of the show. Uh, so cer certainly those positive recommendations and stuff uh, help. So I would appreciate that very much. Uh, but thanks for tuning in. Here in the Northeast Pennsylvania, it is a beautiful day today. Uh, just exceptional. Last weekend was beautiful. It poured yesterday. But man, finally, when spring hits, it feels good. Uh, I'm talking, we're going to meet Jeff here in a moment. And I know he's an upstate guy. And we cherish these uh, warm, sunny days because it's not... Uh, like that very often up here uh, in the Northeast. So uh, excited about that. So today's date, it is June 11th. And for us New York schools, we have a couple more weeks left, right? And as a school leader, you know, we're tired just like everyone else is tired, but we are gonna work our tails off right until the end. And then what are we gonna do to recharge? What are you gonna do to reset yourself for the summer to be prepared and, and add some things to your game, right? Certainly you gotta do hiring and we're gonna talk to Jeff about that and, and getting your school set. But what about you personally? What are some things you're gonna add to your game and uh, you know, for yourself in the summertime? And I like to reset myself in a lot of different ways. And uh, I was talking with my kids last night and I said, what do you like most about the summer? And you know, they said that school's over is what their answer was, but they asked me, right? And and a couple of things, certainly getting a little more sleep in the morning uh, and being outside. I mentioned the warm weather are some things I really like. But these are three things that are musts for school leaders, things that I think are really important that we do to reset. So number one, are you going to a conference? I think it's very important, right? You're missing school, but you're not missing school. To go to a conference during the school year can be challenging. It can be tough. But go to a conference, number one. And then what are you going to learn at that conference? Are there breakout sessions? You're going to meet people, connect with people. And there's so much value to that. Uh, the National Principals Conference is in Boston uh, this summer. Uh, I'm so fortunate that I get a chance to present there. I'm psyched about that. But I'm really psyched about going to all these other sessions, right? Meeting great people and, you know, us, us uh, education leaders, we're going to share. We're going to give away our tips and tricks and secrets. And, man, it's going to be great. So. Number one, go to a conference. Number two, what books are you reading, right? All leaders need to be readers. So with that extra time in the summer, what are you going to read? I just started uh, my, my latest book here. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, Jerry Brooks on the program here. But this is a book uh, I just started. It's a lot of fun. 
Jerry's famous for making these great videos, uh, bringing culture in his school. So I'm looking forward to that. But what book are you going to read? Um, you know, I, whatever the book is, you've got to get something out of it. Take notes. And, and what are things that you could take from that, that book? Uh, and, and again, bring to the table for school next year. And lastly, spend that time with loved ones. Uh, I'm here in between school. I got to go back to school tonight. I know Jeff has a meeting tonight. Uh, and we're not going to see the kids tonight. He has uh, two young boys of his own. I have uh, three kids. And many of the, you guys have met them on the program here. Um, but those nights away from school, I don't get to see my kids. And that's a challenge, right, for us school leaders when you don't see your children um, because you're doing things at school, right? And that's part of our obligation. And all of Team Murata gets that. But in the summertime, I make it a point to make sure I'm home and, and to be home and, and, and those things and spend that time, have that extra ice cream, let them stay up a little bit later because of all of those things that I don't do during the school year. So those are some things that, that I like to bring to the table um, for summertime. And as school leaders, I think it's important. Go to a conference, read a book and spend that time with loved ones. And I think there's benefit to all of those things. That being said, we are going to get rolling here. Let's meet Jeff Evaner here. Jeff, we're going to bring you in. There he is, everyone, from Auburn, New York. Hey, everybody. My phone's ringing, Jeff. <laughs> My boss may knock on the door here pretty soon, so. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. Uh, Jeff, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm really excited to be here. I, I've become a fan of Andrew here uh, through the last few weeks and months, and I'm glad we were able to connect on Twitter. And that's what the Professional Learning Network, Network is all about, is you get to connect with other school leaders and, and learn how to grow and be a better leader by following other leaders and listening to other leaders and talking to other leaders. Yeah, and we're thrilled to have you on, Jeff, learning about you and, and the work you're doing at the Auburn uh, school district. So give us a quick introduction, Jeff, of, you know, Auburn, where it is in, in the country and, uh, you know, what you're currently doing there. Uh, Auburn is uh, sandwiched kind of in between Syracuse and Rochester. We're about 45 minutes away from Rochester and about 30 minutes away from Syracuse, kind of right in the middle between those two points, um, right in the middle of upstate New York. We're in the middle of the Finger Lakes region. Uh, we got Owasco Lake here in Auburn. We got Cuga Lake. Uh, just up the road here. So we're kind of in the heart of, of the Finger Lakes wine country. Um, um, Auburn's a small small city, about 30,000 at the tip, northern tip of Owasco Lake. Uh, we have uh, um, seven buildings in our district. We have five elementary schools, a junior high and a high school. Uh, great community, great people. Um, there, there's plenty of places to eat and go out and do here in Auburn. And, uh, and I cherish every moment here in Auburn. I don't actually live here, but I spend all my money here and I spend most of my time here and, and the people are fantastic. I'm actually on my second stint here in Auburn um, okay. as the assistant superintendent for personnel and operations for the school district. I never saw myself as the, an HR person, but Hey, you know, opportunities happen through life and you end up, um, you end up sometimes answering the door and it works out. So I'm uh, just excited to be here in Auburn and, and excited to hear be with you today. And Jeff, you know, you hear a lot of different responsibilities for assistant superintendents and you hear personnel. Do you do all the hiring in the district? Um, I do. I don't micromanage the process. I want to start there because it's easier to explain from that perspective. Number one, I put a lot on our building level leaders to screen um, and to select the candidates to come in for a first round interview. 
And then what I ask my principals is send me the one or two candidates that you want, that you can live with um, moving forward and who you're excited to send to me. And I'll do a final interview uh, with every position in the district that we're hiring for. I also do all the substitute hiring. I don't farm that out, uh, but I want our principals, assistant principals and directors to have a heavy say. And, and our teachers and our students, uh, they have a say in who's gonna be working in our district uh, because um, again, the principal, system principals, they're spending a lot of time with these people in the buildings. I can walk out. These our building level leaders can't, as you're, as you've lived that every day. You know, you're you're with these people 24/7. So, um, so I do all the final round interviews um, and make the recommendations to the board of education. From cool. that point, and you you mentioned students. Is that something that you encourage having students on interview committees? I do, and this is something that uh, you know I didn't. This is my fourth year in this uh, position, Andrew, and I. It's not something I mandated until this past week. Uh, I sent, um, we talked about it at our last leadership team meeting and, and I told my, my leaders, you know, I, I don't expect, I don't have, I don't put out a lot of dictates. I don't micromanage anybody. But one thing I wanna ensure is that we have student voice on our hiring teams because, you know, again, education is something that, that is, can be seen as something that's done to kids but it's their experience too. It's where we work, but it's the kids' experiences. I want them to be part of this for a multitude of reasons. Number one, to have a voice, but it's great experience for kids to see how interviews actually work and what questions we ask and for them to meet the candidates ahead of time and, and be proud of, hey, I, I met this person be, before, this teacher, this new Spanish teacher. I met them in interviews and it's an instant connection with that kid, um, maybe once the school year starts. So uh, I just think it's great. Kids bring a different perspective um, and they bring the right perspective because, again, it's their experience. We just happen to be part of it. I think that's great. And, uh, that is something we want to add to our game, too. I'm starting to see it more and more and hear it more and more, no pun intended. Uh, yeah. a, great, a great book from some people I met on uh, the show here is Let Them Speak uh, by uh, Rebecca Coda and Rick Jetter, who's upstate New York as well. Um, that's a great book about student voice also, and it's something that we're going we're gonna to add. Jeff, let's go backwards a little bit. You heard the opening segment, and again, upstate New York, the beautiful weather, great time of year. How great. about yourself uh, for the summer? What are some things, uh, you know, conferences, books, and or other things that, that you look forward to in the summertime? Uh, things I look forward to, uh, this is a busy time for me. Uh, people ask me, what, what, what do central office administrators do in the summer? Summertime is one of my busiest times of the year because we're doing all of our hiring for the next school school year to start. Uh, but it's the fun work. That's the good work. I get to meet a lot of outstanding individuals. Um, and I like that part of the job. But it's personally, um, I'm taking the family like we do every year to Kitty Hawk, North Carolina in the Outer Banks. I'm going to spend a week there with my two little boys and, and my wife and my in-laws. And we run a house for a week. And it's just time for me to get away, disconnect, unwind, um, and, and read and spend time on the beach and watch my boys uh, have, have a good time. And other than that, it's spending time with family. Um, I, I live in Groton, born and raised there. Uh, my in-laws live there. My father-in-law is my babysitter. He comes to my house every day. He has for the last three three years because he was able to retire a little early. Um, uh, best friends with my father. He was the best man at my wedding. And he's, we spend a lot of time with family. Uh, my wife and I were just talking. You know, we don't have a lot of friends per se because we're spread out all over upstate New, New York. We spend most of our time with my in-laws and my parents, which is great because that's great for my kids. Those are the memories I had growing up. Those are the memories that I want my kids to have being with your family. Um, but yeah, just you know, recharging those batteries. We have our leadership team retreat this summer. We usually plan out three 
three days in the summer where we do district specific stuff. We do some some knowledge and learning. I'm taking a more active role in in, in doing some presentations and and uh, you know sharing my knowledge about leadership and, and best practices when it comes to leadership. And um, there's a superintendents conference uh, in September for for New York State school superintendents. The, the NISCUS is a great organization. Our summer conference is in September. I look forward to that. Going to the sessions like you were talking about, but. Uh, Recharging those batteries. That's what it's all about because it is. It's a daunting job that we do, whether you're a leader or in the classroom. And if for anybody that's worked in education for any set amount of time, you need that time to recharge the batteries because you put so much effort into other people. Uh, and that's what we get paid to do, but you need that recharging time. Absolutely. And that was a great answer, Jeff. And, and you mentioned about the leadership retreat and, and the, the word leadership uh, multiple times. And you also mentioned about kind of letting the principals handle that process, so not micromanaging. What are some other components uh, to your leadership style that you would say that people work with Jeff Evner that they say, oh yeah, absolutely. What are some of those styles or techniques that you use in, in your leadership? Um, I never go into a planning meeting uh, with an outcome in mind uh, because I think I've surrounded myself with very smart people, much smarter than, than, than me. Um, so when I'm working with teachers or other leaders, I want them to decide or come to a, a consensus on how we're going to proceed forward. Uh, I want I want people to know that, you know, I want people to say that I listen, I respect all voices, every voice. Um, but at the end of the day, if I have to, I will make the decision if the group wants me to. But I think I'm a collaborator first and foremost. And, you know, I, I my, my, my mentor always told me, we don't work in an emergency medicine. We have unlimited timeouts. And if an idea doesn't work in education, we can always go back and re, redo it. We can call those timeouts and, and go back to the drawing board. Uh, because, you know, again, there are very few emergencies in curriculum and instruction. Um, very few emergencies, uh, frankly, in, in the hiring process. Um, very few emergencies when it comes to overseeing the management and operations of a school district. We can always stop what we're doing, analyze, and go back and re and redo. But I want the people doing the work to have a vested interest in the outcome of what we're doing. So I, you know, I start my leadership style with listening and understanding where they're coming from because they're the ones doing the work. I can throw dictates out of my office all day long. They're going to flop. No one's going to have buy-in. Um, and, and leadership to me, it's it's complex because there's a lot of moving parts. It's not complicated. It's about people. Um, and, and yes, people are challenging and, and, and we have levels of tolerance with certain people. But again, if you hire well, uh, good, good decisions are going to happen if you allow space for them to happen. That's a great answer. One of the things I have grown frustrated, right? I believe you said too about letting them decide the work and, and, and the, you know, kind of the space to do it. Uh, but a quote that really hit me uh, home, you know, Henry Ford said it once, if I asked them what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. So how do you balance listening to that voice and listening and letting them go with their ideas versus pushing them out of their comfort zone or not pushing, but guiding them out of the comfort zone to, for something new and different, right? Because again, that quote by Henry Ford, we'd still be on horseback if, if you know he didn't make that change. So tell me about that balance. I think the balance comes, Andrew, um, 
and, and when you you know when, I, when when you when you said faster horses, uh, we don't always need faster horses. We need better horses, right? Um, you know, I had no idea the impact social media could have as far as telling your story and education until I actually did it myself um, and sharing those experience with our educators and trying to get our building level leaders active on Twitter and Facebook and sharing our story. Because if we don't, don't tell our story, somebody else will. But guiding people towards a decision, I go back to when I was a teacher, there's certain classroom rules that I wanted and I needed uh, for success for all kids. I gave the kids opportunities to create some of those, but I also had parameters that they got to fit a certain criteria too. So I think our job as a district level leaders, create the criteria, but within that, have people can, people can own the plan. They can own the initiative, uh, but we can't just, we can't make everybody happy. Number one, too. I think that's also something that, that, that has to be clear when you're sitting with a group of educators or any leadership uh, with, with, with your team is, um, you know, we can't go, go far so out of bounds that we lose sight of our target, which is what's best for kids. You know, we, we have students to take care of every day. We get paid to love other people's kids. And if it falls outside of bounds of that, we can't do it. Um, so it is a balance, um, but I'm overly, because of my experiences as a building principal in two different school districts um, during my two, between my two stints in Auburn, um, I've been overly micromanaged and under micromanaged and, and, and there's, I'm trying to find that balance from my own experiences because I've, I've lived a minute in a principal student building leader's shoes and I didn't like being micromanaged and I found it somewhat, am I alone here? Hello, uh, in my other district, but I love. Uh, but my, my superintendent like, took a hands-off approach. It's your building, I, I'm paying you to be the principal, be the principal. Yeah. Uh, this, you know, has benefits too, but, um, so I'm trying to find that middle road of, yes, I have opinions too. I'm not, it's not just a wide open free for all for people, um, but it's infusing those, as you know, it's all about timing, right? It's when, when to have the comment, when to chime in. Sometimes you have to stop the conversation because it's going too far off the radar and bring it back to our mission, vision, goals, and values. Um, and, and again, you hire great people. You don't have to worry about that too, too much, um, but it's finding that balance between overly directing and, and not being present at all. Um, I think there's that fine line in between that I try to find every day. Yeah. Those are great points, Jeff. Uh, and if you are watching live, there are a number of people tuned in right now. Please leave us a question or comment. Introduce yourself to Jeff. Uh, if you work with Jeff and you're watching from Auburn, certainly leave us a question or comment. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Jeff, you mentioned about Twitter. And that's something that you started using as an educator and, and you and I met you know, through PLN on there. Um, but what's another uh, initiative or another focus that, that you're looking to have uh, in your district you know, from your role? Um, one of the things actually, you know, it, in education, we, we, we commit a lot of theft. Uh, we beg, borrow and steal from other school districts. Mm -hmm. School districts are doing great things. There's a lot of school districts out there that are on cutting edge of a lot of different things. Um, but one of the things that I'm interested in, Andrew, and, and um, I stole it from the Ithaca City School District and, and Dr. Uh, Luval Brown, a wonderful educator, great Twitter follow. Uh, he gives a Twitter feed over to a student periodically, and it's pretty interesting to see a student go through, through their day. But um, one of the things we're looking to do is, is, is diversify our workforce here in Auburn. Uh, we have a very diverse population here. And one of the things that I'm finding when I go to teacher recruitment days in Cortland, 
um, in Buffalo and Rochester, I'm not seeing a diverse candidate pool when it comes to minority candidates um, getting into the teaching profession, or at least they're not showing up to these events and they're not applying for our jobs here in Auburn. Um, so I, I'm one of the things that I'm working on and we're in the infancy stages working with one of my counterparts um, is kind of a grow your own. You know, we have kids right now in Auburn High School, uh, minority students who have leadership and teaching written all over them. Um, we have an early childhood learning pathway at our high school. Is there a way we can tap these kids to, you be wonderful educators. Um, here's a pathway that you can, you can come out, you can be a teacher, you can become a school leader and start them thinking about it early and often. I came to education as, as not a second career, but I went to school, college to be an accountant. Um, and then come to find out um, I was horrible at math. Uh, <laughs> it come together uh, for me. So, uh, you know, I fell in love with kids and coaching and my JV baseball coach from high school led me down this path. And that's my own experiences bring me to this point that it takes an adult to tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I, have you ever thought about becoming a teacher when you when you grow up and you leave school? Have you thought about ever becoming a principal or an assistant principal or a superintendent? Because you have the, you have great people skills, you know, and, and and getting those kids early and often, I think, is important. And if the candidates aren't out there, they're not applying to Auburn. We're going to create our own and that, that's kind of what what i want i want to copy ithaca's model here in auburn because it's so beneficial uh, to hire the smart people who've graduated from your high school uh, yeah. people at home i say i love hiring auburn graduates they've gone out they got an education now they're coming back and, and we pride ourselves in hiring auburn people because they they know our schools um, and we want to keep our smart people home that's great. And Jeff, do you guys have an education class uh, within one of the departments at school? Do you have, is there an education program? Yeah, we have an early childhood education program and it's through our business department and our, okay. our, our, our family consumer science department. And we, we have a couple classes now. We have actually, we have a, a half day childcare pro program uh, for uh, two and three year olds, I believe at Auburn High School. The kids come in the morning and they're supervised by our students and who take take these classes um, and they play games with them and it's a it's a full-fledged daycare center and and it's great seeing 18 year old kids in the hallways with with two and three year olds it's just it's heartwarming and the kids are getting a great experience and i want to grow that yeah um, see if we target some of our minority students to say hey you're awesome with kids you're awesome with people this program could be just for you and that may lean them towards Getting, getting a degree in education and becoming teachers because it is a great profession and it's allowed me to do a lot of things in my life. And, and, and I love working with kids and, and teachers and principals. And it's just, it's awesome. It's, it's endless possibilities. Uh, teaching is the only, only profession, I, I believe, where you can start over every September. All the mistakes you made, they're gone. That class is out of here. You can start over undefeated, you know, and that's, that's what I love about teaching in the education profession. We get the kind of that you talked about you know summertime and recharging in September. We're we're one and zero, baby. You know we're starting the year undefeated, and and and, and why can't we do that with kids too? Every, every day, every year. Absolutely, Jeff. You mentioned about hiring people, whether they're from Auburn or not, and in part of your your role, one of your main roles is hiring. What are some definite must sees? Like, I am definitely looking for this in this candidate, and then. After that question, you know, what are some things that will hurt a candidate in that interview? So let's start with the positive. What are some things that you definitely look for when you're hired? You know, I, I, I'm often uh, I say this quote a lot is we get 
paid to love other people's kids. And what I try to do in the, the, in the, in the interview process is to draw out their personality. Uh, Greg Lloyd, he was a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers a long time. Uh, he had a t-shirt that he used to wear. And I remember this when I was a young kid. Um, I was hired for my position, not my disposition. And I, I've kind of reversed that and say, we're hiring for disposition. We want, we want to make sure someone has the right personality that uh, exudes confidence, yet they're patient, they're loving, they're caring. Um, and they want to do what's right by kids, no matter what the role is, whether it's teacher aide, teaching assistant, teacher, principal, director, assistant, principal, doesn't matter. Um, we do this. Uh, it's an unselfish profession. Um, and, and loving other people's kids, it's where it's at. So I'm trying to draw out people's personality because when you come to us as an adult, you're kind of already wired. Our job is to continue to give you the skills to be a great educator, regardless of your role. But I can't rewire you to be a good teammate. Um, to be compassionate, to have empathy. You gotta have those things coming to the table. We'll, we'll continue to give you the professional development skills to fill your toolbox as you move forward in your career. That's our responsibility. Um, but it's that personality traits that we can't, they're hard to measure, um, but that's what we try to elicit. Number one is, is a passion for children because that's what we're all about. Yeah, so how do you, how do you find that in a, in a 20 or 30 minute interview, how do you, what's a question that you'll ask that will show someone's empathy? You know, what do you, what are some things that might show that? You know, I, I ask candidates a lot. Let's just stick with teaching because, you know, I ask a lot of similar questions, but, but, you know, tell me about a time where you had to handle a difficult parent. Walk me through that process. And if there are new, cause not everyone comes to the table with experience and I, I'm not, mm -hmm. you know, I, I was denied jobs because of lack of experience and I understand how that works, but you know, trying to rephrase the question, how would you handle? So it's those mm -hmm. experiential questions that I ask. I, you know, I, I can say, you know, tell me about your background. I'm looking at their resume. I can read. I know where they've been. I know what they've done. I know what classes they take. I know what districts they work for. But tell me what's not on your resume. Talk to me about those experiences you've had. And those are the questions I tend to lean to are those experiential questions and how they act under fire um, when it comes to a, a, a disgruntled parent, because it's going to happen. Whether you're a teacher or a principal, assistant principal, disgruntled—they don't call you and say, "Hey, you guys are doing great." I love <laughs> what you're doing. Does that happen every so often? Yes, and it's wonderful. But most often, people will call because there's an issue or a perceived issue, and and we have to handle those things regardless of our role. And you got to handle them with tact, professionalism. Uh, you you know, and be a human too. Um, so it's a, I try to draw out the experiences mainly when I interview candidates. Yeah. One of the things that we like to ask that that people really pause, we say, besides your job and your family, tell me something that you're most proud of. And I love that. It, it pauses people. So I add that. Yeah. Besides your job and your family, what is something you're most proud of? Because so much of what we do, right? You mentioned about loving other people's kids, right? Like so much of the energy we give are to both of those facets. Absolutely. Sometimes, sometimes we, you know, we, we maybe lose those other passions in our lives. Yeah. Um, but that question gets them sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and I, I appreciate that. So I'm going to steal, I'm going to steal that. Take it, baby. Take it and use it as your own. And uh, thank you. And another question I just started using, it's kind of a funky question, but if you're, and I ask, you know, I do it, whether your leadership position I'm hiring for or a teaching position, if your classroom had a hashtag, what would it be? And if your leadership mm -hmm. A hashtag, what would it be? And I'm getting a lot of creative answers, but I think it also tells you what people value. 
um, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of different and cool responses from candidates. And I'm going through tenure interviews right now. And that's one of the questions I'm asking some of our probationary teachers is if your classroom had its own hashtag, what would it be? And I'm getting awesome, you know, hashtags about love, compassion, controlled chaos, um, you know, those type of things. And, and uh, it, it, it's just it's heartwarming to see how teachers think about how their classroom is perceived by their kids. So that's another question I started using. And I really like it because, number one, it's silly. Um, but it kind of maybe pulls out some of that personality that, that we're trying to hope for and, and, and get to. Sure. Uh, and Jeff, on the negative side, like what is something like, oh, that, that's not good. You know, um, something that might hurt someone in an interview that really might be a sticking point for you. Skinny ties. No, I'm kidding. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, point for me, uh, Andrew, is when people come in um, and they don't, you know, they don't look at you in the eye. Um, they don't ask good follow-up questions because I want to make sure they're interviewing us just as hard as we're interviewing them. So, you know, at the end of the interview and I say, okay, I'm going to turn it over to you. Now is your chance to interview us because it has to be a good marriage here. Um, what questions do you have for us? A 100% chance of not getting the job is the proverbial, nope, I'm all set. Mm. I want to. I want to know that you you have questions. That you're interested in what we do. You're interested in who we are. Um, to me, that's a non-negotiable. If you're not, if you're not curious. If you're not willing to ask who we are, what we're about, I don't, I don't think I want you working for the school um, because this job is way too important to have someone who's not curious and wants to know who we are um, because we have a lot to share. Yeah, Jeff. Something I've also had a hard time with people that are late to interviews. Yes. Yes. Do you, do you still grant the interview if they're late? Like I've really just getting so blown away, <laughs> frustrated with this. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's becoming, I'm seeing it more and more. Um, will I grant the interview? Um, it sorry, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> just hung up on a pair. What do you do? <laughs> um, it depends on, um, the reason, I guess, um, a, a car accident, is one thing um but you know i do grant the interview because there's always extenuating circumstances i may get to a point where it's becoming all too frequent i say nope i'm not going to waste my committee's time uh but it could be a diamond in the rough sometimes you know things happen construction happens car flat tire if they reach out to me and i give everyone my cell phone number who we're bringing in for an interview if you're going to be late call me at least give me the courtesy of my committee. Note, okay, we're 15 minutes behind schedule. I'm going to grant the interview. This happened. That happened. Um, but if it's for no good reason at all, then I'm running late. Sorry, you're, you just lost a chance. But yeah, I'm seeing it more and more. So I had a situation this year too, and and today I I don't have a, a, a tie on. We're getting towards the end, and I you know I go with my sure, pillows yeah. now. Um, but a, a gentleman came in. He had a nice shirt and tie on. He he had a sport coat on. He took it off. And I said, why are you taking the sport coat off? He says, well, I, you guys look a little more comfortable. I'd like to be more comfortable. And I, I, I was kind of like, you know, and the people on the committee told me, you know, leave the kid alone. Yeah, but what, yeah. do you, what do you think about that? Someone being almost so comfortable in an interview that they're going to take their sport coat off. Uh, I'm uh, Part of me, uh, I'm old school, Andrew. Uh, yeah. Sports coat on at all costs. When you stand up, button it back up. When you sit down, unbutton it one. Uh, don't let me see the sweat rings, you know, those type of things. Yep. Um, keep that sports coat on, baby, because, again, there's certain parts of me that are old school. 
Um, I want to see press. I want to see, you know, sharp lines. I think how you dress is important. It says a lot about who, who, who you are. And, and uh, interviews never time take sports coat off. Unless there's instructions ahead of time, leave that sports coat on. Well, and I'm going to guess we spoke a little bit about your dad off air and you mentioned how close you are with him. And I learned that from my dad mm. and it does say a lot. <clears throat> and I feel the same way. Um, Jeff, we're, we're coming up on Father's Day weekend here and you, and you mentioned the relationship uh, with your dad. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about that on, on what lessons you learned in leadership uh, from your dad, because it is refreshing to hear a, a grown professional like yourself you know, say that his dad is his best friend. And that, that was, that was beautiful. So why don't you share a little bit about that? Um, my dad, it, he's a laugh a minute. Um, you know, one of the biggest leadership lessons and, and, and my dad, and I may get a little emotional here talking about him, but um, from 18 years old on right out of high school, he married my mom. I have a sister who's 11 months older. She's also in the field of education. She's a teacher in Waverly, New, uh, New York. Um, she's an awesome we fought like cats and dogs, but we're best friends now as we're adults and uh, we have our own children now and they get together. But, you know, my dad is one who never took anything too seriously. Um, and, it, it, you know, we're put through this planet one time. You get one one ride at this and and why not laugh often? And he's been a factory worker for over 40 years. He worked at Smith wow. typewriter. I remember Smith Corona split town. They left Groton in Cortland, New York, and they went to Mexico. My dad was one of the people without a job. He went to Ithaca Hospital, uh, worked as a custodian there for 14 months while myself, my mom, and my sister were all in college. Wow. Uh, he supporting a, a family of three or four or four of us, including himself. And, you know, so my dad taught me a lot of life lessons through that experience. You know, I was a formidable age at that time and watching my dad struggle to find work and um, caught on with another factory. He's been there for 25 plus years. He'll be retiring hopefully in a couple of years. Um, but laugh often, work hard, um, and put family first. Those are the three things uh, my dad has taught me uh, in my, you know, just in my experiences with him. His, his name is Jeff too. So um, okay. he's, he's just an awesome dude. And I love watching him with, watch him with my own boys. Um, he's rough houses. He plays, he's on the floor with them. He's chasing them, carrying them around, being rough with them. And, uh, you know, I just hope to be that dad. He's been such a good dad to me that I just want to return the favor to my boys and, you know, show them how the world works a little bit. But, you know, my dad's not a leader by trade, but he's, he's a leader uh, by heart. You know, he, he, he puts himself out there. He's helps everybody. He's always working. You know, he coached for a long time. He coached my little league team. He coached our varsity football team in Groton for years, long after I was out. Um, so he's always been there for kids and loves kids. And, you know, he's just taught me a lot. And, and those are the main things is, is laugh, work hard, put family first. And, and it's always about other people. You know, you're always there to help. And when someone asks for help, say yes. That's beautiful, Jeff. And uh, I wish you a happy Father's Day coming up. Uh, uh, that's great to hear. Uh, with that. And I know one of the traditions uh, and loves that you share together is football. Also, you go to the yeah. Cornell football games together. Um, you played college football. Uh, you know, where did that tradition start from? And and what part of leadership do you take from football? Um, you know, the, the whole going to the Cornell games with, with my father, again, we live 15, 20 minutes away from the Crescent there at Cornell University. So, you know, Cornell has been a big part of, of our Cornell football has been a big part of my dad growing up. Uh, Ed Marinero was playing football at Cornell when my dad was in high school. So he's followed Cornell football for years and years and years. 
you know, and then as I got older and graduated college and, and wasn't playing anymore, um, I moved back home and, and was a teacher here in Auburn. And we just wanted something to do in the fall. We weren't sure what we wanted to do, but we tailgated a couple of times and we said, man, this is a lot of fun. Uh, just getting out of the house, being outside in the fall, fall is my favorite time. Don't get me wrong. I love the summer, but um, football season is just something of passion. My dad instilled in me football is is important. It's a great game. Um, I grew up with my dad's scrapbook from high school. My dad played at Groton High School. They lost three games, two games in the three years he played varsity here in Groton. And uh, he still they, they still get together every five years to celebrate oh, yeah. the 71 football team, undefeated season. Um, so I know all his buddies grew up with those guys. Um, it just became a thing. And we've been doing it for 10, 10 years now. Uh, we get four season tickets to all home games. I get the Cornell parking pass. So we pack up my truck and the grill and the coolers and um, spend a day. And now my father-in-law joins us every every Saturday. Cornell plays home and we always bring him. We have an extra ticket. So every weekend it's a different buddy that, that, that we have come with us. But it's just, you know, football, it, it, like any sport, but, but I can I draw my experiences here. The game's bigger than us. It's about the team. You don't accomplish anything alone on a football field. It's impossible. Um, you know, any successful play takes all 11 guys doing the right things, do it, making sure their assignments done appropriately, correctly, safely, uh, at full throttle. Um, and you don't, I didn't become an assistant superintendent by, by myself. So I relate that to football. You know, I, I didn't throw for 200 yards in a game because I'm a great quarterback. I had a great line, great back stepping up, pick up the blitzes and great receivers getting open. Um, so it's, it's, we're all in this together type of approach. And that's what football taught me is, and, and I didn't do as much winning as my dad. Um, I lost a lot, lost often, but you know, I'm still buddies with my high school teammates, still buddies with my college teammates uh, because we were in it together. And those, those relationships matter. And what we were doing on the football field, although it was small division three, at the time it mattered. And, and, you know, we forged together to accomplish our goals. And that's what education is. We're coming together to accomplish our collective goals. Awesome, Jeff. That's a you know, great story about that, uh, you know, fall football up there in, in upstate yeah. New York. Jeff, we're running out of time. Let's get yeah. to rapid fire. I know you've sure. got a school board meeting and I got a meeting yeah. back at school too. So let's roll. Uh, yeah. what's, what's the last book you read? Well, the last book I read is actually yours, Andrew. It's the one yeah. I just page the page. And I just started uh, Leading with Emotional Courage by Peter Bregman. Great book. Again, like your book, you can read it out of order. I have a little ADD a little bit, so I kind of flip around. Got a lot of books going at once, but this really talks about taking care of yourself. Um, okay. and as, as, as a leader, if you don't take care of yourself, health, mind, body, spirit, family, your leadership it takes hits. The people around you on your team take hits because you're, you're not present. So it's working to be present um, and you know making sure you're there for your people. But you got you to be right inside in order to be a good leader. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate you in my book like that. And I know uh, we might connect on that with some of your people. How about movies, Jeff? What's the last movie you saw? Animal House. I watched it. I love that movie. I watched it a million times. It's the last full length movie I've watched. Um, last show I watched, my, 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 my wife and I, we have a lot of, we have different tastes. Um, we watched Letter Kenny on Hulu. If you get a chance, it's pretty funny, pretty creative show. It's based out of Canada, makes fun of Canadians, big Canadian football league guy. So I, I love, I love Canada. I've been there a couple of times, but um, great show. We watched season one to season seven in about a couple of days. And, and but Animal House is the last movie. Letter Kenny was the last show. Letter Kenny? Yeah. Yep. Letter Kenny. Okay. 
Uh, you mentioned Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. Went to college down in North Carolina. I love it. Uh, would you say that, you know, your favorite place to travel? Where is your favorite place to travel? Favorite place to travel is the Outer Banks. Uh, we know a lot of the locals there. My wife's uh, uncle lived there for a long time. So we, you know, we're still friends with his old friends and and uh, he's since passed. So we go every year and I just love it there. It's my kind of little place of the earth where I can unwind and take the tie off and and wear shorts and flip flops and just be myself with my family. And I, I love it there. It's only for a week, but it's a week that I, if I didn't have it, I, I'd miss it. Awesome. Check out the Lost Colony. It's down there. It's an outdoor show. It's a little history there. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but as a former history teacher, it's on my bucket list. I do it. I went to the Wright Brothers Mu Museum, and uh, it's hard to get off the beach. Once you're on the beach, it's hard to university <laughs> things, you know? <laughs> Jeff, what's a great challenge in your work? The great challenge in my work, you know, we have 600 active employees here in, in Auburn between our teachers, our, our, our aides, our, our, our custodians, maintenance, buildings and grounds. Uh, the difficult thing is making sure that I'm communicating with everybody. Um, I know sometimes it's impossible, but, but being visible uh, with seven buildings, you know, it's very difficult. Every Wednesday morning after a board board meeting, I block out two hours to be just be in buildings. No agenda. Visit with teachers, visit with kids, visit with building administration. And just being visible, uh, it's hard with this many people in this many buildings, but it's important. People need to know that I'm approachable. Um, I'm not uh, in the ivory tower by any stretch of the imagination. My door is always open. I'm a, I want people to talk to me, and I want to talk to people, find out what's really going on in our schools. Um, so the biggest challenge is communication and being visible with, with how widespread we, we, we are. How about a pet peeve okay. in your job? What's something that gets under your skin? <laughs> uh, how much time we got? No. <laughs> um, what really gets under my skin is when I get a hard no from someone. And when it comes to, to trying a new initiative or a new new idea, uh, that, that we've always done it this way. Oof. We want different outcomes, but they're not willing to try something new to get there. And that, that drives me crazy. Drives me nuts. Best purchase under $100 that has had a great impact on your life. $28. It's not a fit bed. It's a very fit pro. Had a little heart episode uh, over St. Patrick's Day weekend this this mm. year. I had to completely change my health habits. Uh, I would consider myself a runner now. I work out every night when the kid the kids go to bed. Uh, but tracking my health has been important to me. I drink water now on a regular basis. Uh, I never, didn't really drink a lot of water, but uh, my cholesterol is going down. My heart feels good. I run every morning before I come to work. Um, so this has been a lifesaver. Twenty eight ninety five on Amazon, and also. Rocketbook. Uh, even <laughs> it is amazing. I don't have a yellow pad anymore. Yeah. Those two things combined are a hundred bucks, but those two things have been game changers for me. What's the name of the thing on your on your very, um, it's a very fit pro. Very fit pro. $28.95. And if it breaks, I can buy two more and I'm still under what it costs to buy a, a fit bet, you know? Okay. I might check it out. Uh, Jeff, you've shared a lot uh, with your, about yourself today. You've been great to talk with. Um, what is something about Jeff Evner that people don't know about? I, I struggle with this question, but uh, I served uh, for three terms as mayor of my hometown in Groton. I was the mayor of the village of Groton for six years. Uh, also, I was a village trustee for five for five years. So I served my local community for 11 years. My grandfather was the mayor of the village of Groton, so I kind of followed in his 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 footsteps, and I. Now, forged a lot of leadership skills in that role too. Um, working with a fire chief and a police chief, and uh, the administration staff, Department of Public Works, and electric department, and 
working with the town of Groton too, and doing a lot of shared services and those type of things, which will serve me well down down the road. I'm hoping. Yeah. Who is the most famous person in the area, either related to the school or not? Well, my my father would say Larry Zonka played full. My my dad was a fullback, so he loved Ed, Ed Marinero and Larry Zonka. So I'm going to say Larry Zonka. More than Jim Beheim. Yeah, I mean, I hey, love Syracuse basketball. I grew up a Chris Mullen fan. Um, I was left-handed, played point guard, grew up a Johnny's fan. So I, I got to admit, you know, not always been a huge Syracuse fan, but Jimmy Beheim stands, you know, he's he's right up there on the Mount Rushmore of Syracuse. Yeah. Sure. Mullen, Mullen went to Mullen High School. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Yeah, in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, sure. Okay. Yeah, a lot of connections there. We can talk about that. Uh, Jeff, what's a short-term uh, goal for you, three to five months? Three to five months is I want to make sure that with our vacancies, I'm bringing in the best talented people to serve the children of Auburn. So by the end of this summer, uh, we're going to be better off than we were at the end of this year. Not that we want to see our retirees go because I want them to stay forever, but I want to make sure we're hiring better. Uh, so my short-term goal is to find those people and get them in here because our kids deserve it. They deserve the best. And a long-term goal, three to five years. You know, it, I've always wanted to be a superintendent. Um, um, but you know, I love this job. I love my executive team. I love the teachers. This is my second stint in Auburn. Mm -hmm. uh, I was taught with the director of curriculum for a while and I came back in this role, but I was talking to a friend of mine just before we, we, we came on and, and, you know, I was a principal for five and a half years. I still get that itch, you know, to, to, to be, I, I don't think I accomplished all I wanted to accomplish because of opportunity in my principalships, you know? So, you know, you never know where life's going to twist and turn, but you know, I could be a superintendent or I could, you know, go find, I could be a principal again because I loved being a principal. It was a great, great job. Cool. Um, yeah. Jeff, yeah, I media before. what is your, what, what's your Twitter handle? How can people get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter handles at Evan or Jeff. Um, you can send me emails too. It's Jeff Evan or yahoo.com or Jeff Evan at gmail.com. I have both. Um, I, again, I do 85% of my reading via Twitter. I follow tons of people. Uh, I still read the real paper paper book still, but a lot of articles, a lot of things to share. Uh, for those people who are just on Twitter, just start following people. That That's how you're going to build up your repertoire and your articles and your professional learning. Um, uh, because again, Twitter can be a very powerful tool when it comes to expanding your own knowledge. Absolutely. And uh, I appreciate that. Um, you did a great job interviewing Jeff. And I had a, um, a book recommendation. Uh, and a lot of times I put a quote in there and I wrote one down, but do you have a quote that, that you like to share, uh, something that motivates you or something that uh, means a lot to you? Yeah. Uh, the thing that, 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 that voted, that motivates me is, is my wife and I have a saying, um, we, we've kind of gotten away from it as we've got kids, but we always used to sign in our cards, love you to the moon and back. Um, and I should do that more and say that more to, to my wife. Um, but that rings true for me for what I do for a living. I don't interact every day with kids, but it's my job to love them and to hire the best people to love them. So loving our children to the moon and back is a priority of mine. And, and my wife started saying that years ago, and, and it's something that we moved away from. And I'm glad you said this because uh, I got to make sure I spread that message a little more and, and, and communicate that a little more. Love these kids to the moon and back. That's awesome, man. That could be the name of your book. Uh, let's yeah. get out of here. <laughs> um, but I wrote down, you said a lot of great stuff today, and I wrote it down. Um, I didn't use my rocket book today. I should have. I have it here, and I'm glad to see you using it. Thanks, yeah. thanks for the suggestion. Uh, I'm glad, 
I'm glad it came it came across your Twitter feed and your your pot your podcast, and I just love it. I don't yeah. have to yell at anymore. You don't lose anything. Um, you said here, and if an, if an idea doesn't work, we're not in a medical emergency situation. We can go back and try something different. You know, we can try it again next year or next time. So I wrote that down as well. I thought that was great. Well, you know, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this. I was nervous as I'll get out coming on. I've never done something like this before. And I want to thank you for challenging me to expand my horizons when it comes to learning and different avenues of learning. And uh, you're, you're, you're an inspiration. Um, I love the work you're doing on social media. Uh, Port Jervis is lucky to have you. Um, having a principal out there that, that, that is making a name not only for himself, but for the school. Uh, I don't think there's a time when Port Jervis doesn't come out of your mouth. You know, you're really proud of your school. And I can really tell them they're lucky to have you. Cool, Jeff. Cool. Well, we might have to uh, meet at that tailgate up at the Cornell football. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. If you're officiating up there, let, let me know. Hey, look, he's trying to get an inside uh, call for Cornell here, right on public air. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, I'm going to cue this music up. Uh, it was great. Jeff, one more time, your Twitter handle. Go ahead. Evaner Jeff, E-V-E-N-E-R-J-E-F-F, Evaner Jeff. And I'm at Andrew Murata. Uh, this is uh, Education, Leadership, and Beyond. It was show number 93. Uh, Jeff did a great job today up at Auburn uh, City School District in New York. Uh, give the show a retweet, and if you enjoyed it, uh, leave us a, a, a positive message. Uh, Jeff, great job. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate it, and thanks for the opportunity. Cool. Hang on the line a sec, Jeff. Yes, sir. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.